The following is rated S for spoilers. Excuse me, everybody, coming through! This guy's brother is going to die imminently! Out of the way, please! Just trying to clear a path, that's all I'm doing. He's gonna be fine. Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Hangover. My name is Alex, and today we are going to be discussing the Super Mario Bros. movie, directed by Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelnick, written by Matthew Fogel, starring Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, and Jack Black. That's only like the four top billing of a massive cast. Uh, releasing April 5th of 2023 with an estimated budget of $100 million. Um, and a measly five-day opening weekend of $377 million. Um, I say that jokingly, this is one of the biggest openings. It is the biggest opening minus inflation for a five-day weekend movie ever, and that's competing with Transformers, Twilight, and Harry Potter. Um, this movie, uh, yeah, this movie is a lot, and we are going to talk about it. I'm flying solo today, um, and that's okay, because let me tell you, I was really excited for this movie for a very long time. Um, I grew up with Mario. Uh, I remember the first time I really discovered Mario and I started playing the games. Uh, I had an old Game Boy Advance and I would play Super Mario Bros. 3 and that was all I did 24-7. Um, was then introduced to Mario Party and things like that and everything spiraled from there. Uh, absolutely love Mario and I love these characters and I was really excited to see um, something other than the movie from the 80s, the horrendous movie from the 80s. Um, and so it was, I was excited for, but I was also really scared. I mean, we can jump into acting really quick cause I'm just naturally flowing there. Um, when Chris Pratt was announced as the voice of Mario, I, I, like many others was furious. Why, why would you make Chris Pratt Mario when you have Charles Martinet sitting in the corner, just, just waiting to be used. Um, and while some of that didn't fully achieve my expectations and everything that I dreamed of since I was a kid. Um, I feel like this movie just went and completely blew my expectations out of the water. Um, I wish I could say I came up with this. I saw, I, it was a tweet that I saw. I don't remember who, who it was that tweeted it, but they had a one tweet review and all it said was the super Mario bros movie is fine. It's not great but it is perfect. And I could not agree with that anymore. Um, and honestly, just looking at the critical reception, you can see that tweet um, in action, particularly with the Rotten Tomatoes score it has a 58% critic score and a 96% audience score. A massive difference right there. Um, IMDb has a 7.4 and a letterbox has a 3.5 out of five. Um, and I don't know, it's interesting because when you look at, I mean, if you wanted a, a critical review of this movie, um, yeah, it's not great. I, would not recommend it if it was just if we were looking at it very critically and very objectively but let me tell you this is the most fun i've had in a movie theater in a very long time um so many laughs so much nostalgia going through it and i just had a really great time i was able to just sit back ignore just a lot of you know a lot of a lot of things that i would normally nitpick and talk about on on the show and um we'll get there in a little bit but while this is objectively bad it's not a very good movie this was so much fun um and that's where that 96 percent audience score is coming from uh this is a, one of those movies that really reminds me and i'm sure is reminding a lot of people that movies aren't always you don't always have to follow all the rules it don't have to be absolutely perfect at, at the end of the day it's just you know it's how you receive it and it's just about you know 
escaping a little bit sometimes. You know, movies can tell really deep messages and things like that. And I do think that this movie uh, had some cool messages, which we'll talk about. Um, but this this was a movie that I was just able to sit back and have fun with. And that's really, really difficult um, for, for me to do. Um, I dipped into acting a little bit. Uh, man, Chris Pratt, I think, did, he had an impossible task. Um, I feel like that was a narrative uh, from the moment he, he was cast to, honestly, the moment that the movie released uh, was how horrible Chris Pratt was going to be and how is he, how is he going to sound? Um, I thought Chris Pratt was fine. Uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, I do wish that we still got Charles Martinet or at least had someone who could try to replicate the accent a little bit. A lot of people were talking about how they were totally fine with it and they loved the way that the lack of accent was handled. Personally, not a big fan of it. Um, I thought it was just lazy uh, because Illumination wanted to get a big a big famous cast. And that in itself is a little odd to me. Um, when you have a movie like Sing, for example, I think that is a film, sure, having a massive star-studded cast, I think makes a little bit of sense because you need something to draw people in. I mean, kids are obviously going to be attracted to it because uh, that is the target market. But if you're going to make your money, you, you got to get the parents to take the kids to see it. And you also got to get just adults in general to go and see the film. And so having a star-studded cast helps. But with Mario, I'm not really sure where the decision to have a star-studded cast came from. Because, again, the target audience is kids. Um, kids are going to love this film just by its nature. But the other thing is, this film did such a good job at incorporating so many different elements of Mario. Um, that's one of the things that I was also curious about and I thought was would be very difficult you know, for this writer's room to put together is, how do you... I mean, Mario has evolved so much. You know, It started from just... Donkey Kong, right? Um, a very simple trying to take down Donkey Kong kind of game to these 2D platformers and those 2D platformers became 3D worlds that you would explore and then they would be combined and there's all sorts of different aspects and things that, you know, each game is different um, and completely revolutionizes what Mario is doing. And then you also have, you know, those are the main Mario games. You also have Super Mario Party and you have Mario Kart and you have... Uh, the Mario soccer game and Mario tennis and Mario Olympic sports and all Mario's is a massive character. I mean, it's Nintendo's that that's Nintendo's big thing. And so I, they kind of came in here with an impossible task. And I think they, they, they succeeded amazingly, but also they also in their advertising, they did a very good job at making sure that we all kind of knew that we were going to get all these different pieces and we are all going to be very happy with it. I haven't seen a single, negative review in terms of the way that the property was handled and the way that these characters and these stories were brought to life. Um, I think, I think everyone who saw it had a, quite a bit of a nostalgia trip, which we'll talk about later on um, in the episode. But with that being said, that's going to bring in the adults. The star set of cast, I don't think is going to particularly entice anybody. Um, other than Jack Black being Bowser, uh, We'll get to that in half a second here, but um, we didn't need a star-studded cast for this. Um, and for the most part, I think everyone did a fantastic job, or at least a fine job. Um, I would put Chris Pratt in that category. It, was, it wasn't it was really Chris Pratt. I, I did forget that it was Chris Pratt several times, and it was just kind of just Mario. Um, and that that's what we needed from this, right? Uh, we, we just needed Mario and ignore the fact that it's Chris Pratt. Um, but other honorable mentions, I would say, is Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I thought she sounded great as Peach. Um, Charlie Day as Luigi. 
that was phenomenal casting. Uh, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role than Charlie Day. He did such a good job. Uh, people have been complaining about how Luigi got sidelined, and I do agree it would have been nice to have more Luigi, but Luigi in general isn't involved in the main line of games anyway. Um, he's typically just, you know, he'll show up if you keep dying and he'll help you out. Um, so I was okay with the fact that Luigi was sidelined a little bit. Um, but that being said, I would love to see a game, not a game, a movie starring Luigi, um, particularly Luigi's Mansion. I think that could be fantastic um, and could help build out this franchise. Uh, but obviously the the one who's stealing the show right now is Jack Black as Bowser. Um, I remember I saw the trailer uh, that they first released and I was like, oh, wow, Bowser sounds really cool. He seemed menacing. Who is that? And I saw his Jack Black and I was a little shocked. Um, I wasn't really, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I can see that. And man, Jack Black, everyone's, everyone's been saying it. I'm not saying anything new here, but Jack Black had so much fun with this movie. Um, the freaking Peaches song has been stuck in everybody's head for the last two weeks. Um, and I am sick and tired of it, but also it's just, it's so catchy and it's so great. And there was such a funny moment. So many funny moments with Bowser. Um, that could have been something that didn't play off very well. And, Jack Black took it, ran with it, and did such a good job at just being completely and utterly ridiculous while also being very terrifying at the same time. Uh, you know, just Jack Black doing Jack Black things. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad was another one where, as I was watching the movie, I, I forgot who played Toad. I knew that all the main cast were uh, were these big stars, and I was trying to remember who, who was playing Toad because I can't recognize his voice. Um, in the credits, I saw Keegan-Michael Key, and I thought, oh, okay, like, was he using a voice modular or something? Because he's got a pretty deep voice. Um, no, that was that was just him. Uh, he went to the director with an idea of how he wanted to do it. Um, the director said, that's great, but can we go higher? And then he's like, yeah, I can do this. And he said, all right, can we go higher? And he's like, yeah, I can, I can do that. And he just kept going higher and higher and higher until, um, until they, found, uh, they found the voice of Toad. Um, and while Toad wasn't a major part of this film. Uh, and I mean, if anyone was sidelined, it was Toad. Um, but yeah, Kikamago Key did a fantastic job. I mean, you heard it here at the beginning of the show. Uh, fantastic at completely changing his voice and being someone totally different. Uh, really, really liked that. One of the things that I think that made this film uh, so successful and made it, you know, one thing that made it not great as opposed to straight up awful um, was its simplicity. Uh, this this was a very a very simple simple film. It had a very basic plot. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on. It was everything that were that we're very used to. It was Mario saving someone. He wasn't saving the princess this time. He was saving his brother Luigi. Um, and normally I would never bring this up because I'm a, I'm a dude. I have no right saying this. But something I was talking to my girlfriend about before the movie. Uh, one of the concerns we had was how they were going to handle Peach. Um, you know, seeing some of the trailers and things. Uh, it, they were obviously going to, you know, we kind of knew they were going to be saving Luigi instead of Peach, which kind of fits into the, this modern culture. But one of the things I was worried about was that, you know, they were going to take Peach and make her a badass female character. And don't get me wrong, I am all for strong female characters in story and film and every and film and story in general. 
but the problem that a lot of these big studios have is they don't know how to do that. And so instead they just take a strong female character and they kind of make them an asshole um, and just extremely unlikable and not very fun. They completely destroy the character. It's fine to be a strong, badass female character and still have emotions and still be able to empathize with people and not be just an awful person in general. And so I was really worried about how they were going to handle Peach. And I thought they did it amazing. This is one of the best ways that I've ever seen um, in filmmaking, taking of taking a character, making them super strong um, and badass and not making, not going too far with it, but like, but making them a real genuine person or making them feel that way at least. Um, and so I, I really appreciated how they handled Peach. Um, yeah. Talking about simplicity here. And now I'm talking about this very complex detail of how they made a character um, really, really, really good. Um, absolutely loved Peach in this film. I thought they handled her perfectly. But back to simplicity. There's been a lot of video game adaptations uh, over the years, right? Um, and I feel like every single one of them is live action. I looked up Rotten Tomatoes had a list of the top 50 best video game ad adaptations um, there have ever been. And that top 50 had a lot of different things. But of that 50, there were maybe five that were completely animated. Um, and when we're talking about video games, uh, a a platform that is already entirely animated that that blew my mind there are so many live action elements of video game films if the whole film isn't live action even even sonic a film that has no reason for there to be live cast members other than maybe jim carrey um they incorporate this real world aspect so that sonic can be live action um and that should have been a really easy thing for them to say, let's let's replicate that. Um, but I really, really like that Illumination. Obviously, it's Illumination, so they're going to do this anyway. But I really like that in making this movie, they kept it entirely animated. Um, it's simple. It's cheaper. Uh, it allows you to afford that star-studded cast that, they're, that they so desperately need for some reason. Um, but also, it's just, that's what Mario is. It's animated. Um, it's cartoonish it's all illustrations and seeing it that way just helped elevate the nostalgia and helped elevate those helped put me into that world as opposed to keeping me in my own but also creating adding these other elements to it i don't i'm not a big fan of that um and even then like the the brooklyn aspects a lot of people said they they liked the way they handled the brooklyn aspect i did not i wanted them to be in the mushroom kingdom the entire time um did not love the Brooklyn part of things. Uh, one thing that's really beneficial to going into this was saying, all right, we're going to make this as simple as possible. We're going to think we're going to keep this basic and we're going to, we're going to keep it not going to go super crazy with things. Um, is it helps you to have a really wide audience appeal. And you want to talk about how this movie made $337 million in its opening weekend worldwide. Um, this is, that's what you need. You need a wide audience appeal. Um, and it was really interesting watching this movie. Uh, I noticed right away there were not a ton of adult jokes in the sense that, like, sure, there were jokes that only adults are going to understand, but there weren't a jokes that are, like, that were sexual innuendos or things like that. It was a, it was a pretty clean movie all the way around, um, and I kind of appreciated that. I, I feel like sometimes kids' movies will try really, really hard to – add something in there for parents and like, Oh, I see what you're doing there. Um, 
Quantum Mania was one where there's that whole scene with between um, Hank and Janet where they're talking about you know their past lovers, but they're keeping it kind of subtle so that the children in the audience don't understand what's going on. It most of the time it's completely retracting from the story, um, and it's just there to be like, "Hey, this is funny, right? We're being dirty." Um, I like that this movie didn't do that. They 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 had jokes that made sense for what was going on. Um, and were there jokes that only adults would understand? Sure, but it wasn't necessarily an adult joke. Um, another thing that they did really well was their use of showing empathy. There's an interview with Chris Pratt, I think on Jimmy Fallon, where he's talking about how when you're, you know, when you're doing the voice acting, they'll have you say things in multiple different ways. And one of the things that they'll have you do is they'll just have you do a bunch of grunts. Um, and that's, you know, for a variety of things. But one of the things that they want you to do is, okay, like Mario just fell off, you know, he's doing the training course and he's in the game, he would be dying several, several times. But um, we kids don't necessarily, especially younger kids, don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, and so you have to include like, a, oh, I'm okay. Or, you know, some sort of grunt or a joke or something to let the children in the audience know that, and just the audience in general know that, uh, that your character is fine. Um, and it was really interesting, uh, a row behind me, there was a mom who brought, I would say her three, maybe four year old daughter, uh, to see this movie. And at first I said, oh no, because this is going to be awful. Um, the, the kid did really, really well actually. Um, but one of the things that I thought was adorable, I think normally if I wasn't so just, I wasn't just having so much fun with the movie in general, um, this would have bothered me a lot, but I, I thought it was adorable and it made the viewing experience of a lot of fun. Every time something bad was going to happen, was happening to um, one of our main characters, this girl would get so sad. Uh, she had so much empathy for these characters. And I thought that was so, that was just a great landmark of how well this film um, is made for that target audience. Um, you know, and developing empathy. They say that movies are one of the best ways for children uh, and just, you know, in their, in their development to develop empathy um, and seeing how, you know, that aspect of things, uh, you know, how necessary adding in, oh, I'm okay for an adult. It's like, okay, whatever. But uh, kind of seeing that behind, speaking behind the curtain and seeing how well that they are doing at making these kids feel sad and feel scared for these characters um, and to the point that they need to add those things. I think that's a really, really great point towards them and shows that they know what they're doing and that at the end of the day, this isn't entirely a bad movie. It's one of those things that does elevate it a little bit, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I thought that was a really cool thing. Another thing that I really liked about this was how it embraced the silliness of the games. Um, there's so much ridiculousness. I mean, in Odyssey, I remember playing... Um, and the whole plot of that is Bowser is trying to marry Peach. And I like that they implemented that exact same storyline um, into this film. That was a lot of fun. And it's completely ridiculous, you know, seeing Bowser in a, a white suit and a top hat. Um, I love that they embraced that. I feel like, again, this could have gone to the 93 movie and have tried to be super serious and make Yoshi a literal dinosaur. And just that movie is a thing of nightmares. Um I like they didn't go in that direction. I like that they didn't take themselves too seriously. I liked that it was just a lot of fun and it was super silly. Um, that made it all so much better, in my opinion. 
Um, and I'm really, really glad that they did it. Moving on from that, one of the things that I noticed, um, and I thought was kind of funny um, throughout the film, was the pacing. Uh, this movie moves so freaking fast. And I got to be honest, seeing the 90-minute runtime uh, was a bit of a, like a, a breath of fresh air uh, because there are so many movies now that are two and a half plus hours. And while I don't care what the runtime is, as long as it's justified, uh, that gets exhausting after a while, uh, especially when you're trying to see movies multiple times um, before we talk about them on the show. Uh, that, that gets it gets hard to do and it gets a little exhausting. Um, so seeing that 90 minute runtime was a breath of fresh air, but to be honest, and I don't say this very often, this could have been two hours and it would have been fine. And I think it would have been a better movie because of it. Um, this movie was so fast paced and I think that's because it is targeted towards kids in general. You want lots of flashing lights and lots of things we happening because you got to keep their attention. They have horrible attention spans. So we got to keep things moving. Um, but also we're in an era of, you know, TikTok and short form content and throwing as many things at you as you can and moving past them very quickly. Um, I, at one point I counted, I don't remember the particular scene that it was at, uh, but there was not a single cut that lasted more than five seconds throughout the entire scene. Um, that's not unheard of. Uh, it's, it is normal. I mean, I feel like it's a good amount of time to be holding on a shot, but that is still incredibly fast. When I say it didn't last more than five seconds, I mean, there were lots of cuts that were two, three, four seconds long. Um, the longest one that there was, was five seconds. And so everything was moving so fast. The story just, there wasn't a lot of time to flesh out these characters. And that's one of the things like I was most excited to see um, was a little more of these characters. Sure, we got, you know, a little background on Mario and Luigi and a little background on Peach. Uh, but with these games, we don't, it's not about the background. It's always about let's save the princess. We got to go through these challenges to stop Bowser, get Princess Peach, whatever. There's no, there's no story or character development. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing more of these character stories and potentially, you know, where they came from, what their background is. We got some of that with our, with the big, the big three characters here, but I would have liked to see just, just a little more. And we, we, we could have done it. Um, we also could have had more characters. We could have actually incorporated Yoshi instead of throwing him in uh, and as a post-credit scene, not even really throwing him in as a post-credit scene, just having his egg there, um, which was which was interesting. But yeah, th this this movie definitely has a target audience for children. And going back to the episode we did late last year on uh, Bodies, 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 this is one of those movies that I think is really, um, that really kind of marks a generational shift in an audience um, and not just in terms of, you know, Gen Z and millennials and things, but just in terms of what audiences find to be interesting and what captivates audiences. Number one, pacing, you know, we, we need things to be very fast to keep our attention. But number two, the biggest thing that everybody's talking about right now is the franchise is the birth of a brand new super franchise. Um, no pun intended with super. Um, everything has to be cinematic universe now. And it's interesting looking at illumination. I mean, for YouTube, you see the posters behind me, but for our audio listeners, um, I've got minions rise of Gru and sing Two up behind me, both of which were made by illumination who made super Mario bros movie. Uh, but the thing that's interesting about having those two there is I do not think they went into sing or definitely not despicable me and said, these are going to be franchises. Those are movies that they made because they wanted to make a good movie and Sing has 
gotten a sequel and Despicable Me has like five or six different spinoffs um, and it's continuing to grow. Uh, I don't think those are things that they were expecting to do, but with this, they're in an interesting position because I think they kind of went in knowing, hey, we have a really good opportunity. Let's see what happens. Um, and I mean, in their opening weekend, they almost quadrupled uh, their their budget for the film. So obviously they're going to make some more. They've already set up some more. Um, Super Mario Bros. 2 is almost definitely going to happen, but I would love to see a Super Smash Bros. I think that could be really, really fun. Um, you know, we can keep it within the Mario realm, um, but we can also maybe introduce Sonic if, you know, they can somehow work that deal out. But there's a lot of, cool, but there's a lot of potential. There's, you know, The Legend of Zelda and uh, Metroid and things like that. Uh, that could be that, that could be really cool and could work as these films. But the problem with that and the thing that I'm scared of is Mario is obviously a massive name and that's going to appeal to a lot more people than, say, Star Fox is going to appeal to, especially when we're getting to the younger audiences. And so I'm curious to see how that's going to work if they even decide to go in that direction. Um, but also... I'm kind of at a point where I don't need everything to be universe. I would actually really, really like it if this was the one Mario movie we got. Maybe Luigi's Mansion, maybe a Mario Bros. 2, um, just, you know, to get Yoshi in there because Yoshi's great. Who doesn't love Yoshi? Um, but I would be completely fine if this was the only film that we got um, in this quote-unquote potential franchise. Um, I wouldn't mind if they if they left it as is. Um and I think that would be that'd be my preference. Uh, but also, there's a lot of storytelling potential, and so maybe Illumination will surprise me. I mean, who knew that Despicable Me was going to be what it was? Um, I watch that movie constantly. It's it's a, it's a, an amazing film, and so maybe they can surprise me again. They can uh, give me that same nostalgia trip again. Uh, that's gonna be hard to do though. So with that, you know, nostalgia and everything, I've I've alluded to it several times already, but I, I think that nostalgia is one of the things that made this film so successful and made it what it was. Um, and in general, I think animation is just a really great, um, it's just a very nostalgic uh, form of storytelling and filmmaking. And we're gonna dive deeper into that and, and how it's been used um, in the past, how it's being used now, um, and if it's affecting the type of, types of movies that we're seeing and how we feel about them. So make sure you stay tuned for next segment. Nostalgia is a really interesting thing to me. Um, I obviously really, really love it. Uh, I went and saw this movie purely for nostalgia, and that nostalgia made me love this movie a lot, um, even though I will be the first to admit that it's not great. Um, I think it's really interesting how the whole nostalgia thing has completely taken over the types of movies that we see now. You know, I feel like there are plenty of indie films and original things coming out. I say plenty. That happens sometimes, uh, but the vast majority of the movies that are coming out now are based purely on nostalgia. Honestly, a lot of them are, I mean, I feel like a lot of this, the general planning and the things that are being announced and things that are making the most money are all are based around nostalgia. That's why we're getting so many legacy sequels and things based on properties and things we've already seen. It's Yes, it's because it's already been established and it already has an audience, but I think at the end of the day, that all comes down to nostalgia. Um, 
And boy, was this movie filled with a lot of that. Um, just the Easter eggs in this film uh, are all over the place. And I think that's one of the things that made it so fun was catching the Easter eggs um, and just just getting to have a, have a really good time uh, reliving um, all of the memories of my childhood. Um, the biggest thing for me, though, was the music. I, I talk about it all the time on the podcast. Uh the music in this film was phenomenal, and Brian Tyler must have had the most fun of any composer to ever write any score. Um, holy crap, this music was so freaking good. Um, the way he was able to incorporate all of the different themes and things within his normal score and be able to fit into what was going on was so great. Not even just like the most iconic themes, like, you know, the main Mario theme or the underground theme and things like that, but also themes like the songs from like Mario Kart and different, different uh, levels and maps, things you would play in those games. Like he incorporated so many cool motifs and sounds, um, and I, I was having a blast. I was having so much fun. Um, and the way they were able to incorporate the underground theme in particular, um, I do think it was overplayed just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, introducing it with Bowser playing it on the piano just because he was riffing and having a good old time. Uh, that was so cool. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I loved that they brought attention to it uh, when it made sense to bring attention to it and when it was, you know, kind of be a joke. But they also, at times, just left it in the background. Uh, that scene where Toad is leading Mario through uh, the Mushroom Kingdom to get to the castle, and it's just every little thing, every few seconds, there's a new motif in, it, in every new area, and it made a lot of sense, and it was so cool, and I absolutely loved that. Um, Charles Martinet also made a couple of appearances. Again, like I said at the top of the episode, I wish that he did play Mario. Um, I think we've added a new element to it, but uh, he did get to make some appearances as Mario's dad and as well as the jump man um, guy. Uh, a little on the nose. Uh, I get it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, if you can't tell, I'm a little salty that uh, Charles Martinet did not get to play Mario uh, throughout the entire film, but it's fine. Chris Pratt did, did a fine job. Uh, and I also just like how they were able to incorporate, you know, having the camera pan to be a, a 2D sliding, uh, a sliding shot, you know, where it looked similar to the games and things like that. Lots of little things like that went a very long way um, in, developing, uh, in developing this movie. But this movie didn't use nostalgia entirely perfectly um for the most part i think it did a great job it was making us nostalgic for the game and for nintendo in general 10 out of 10 top tier couldn't imagine it being any better i couldn't even even the most perfect way i could ever imagine it wouldn't have been as good as illumination did it here but one of the ways they did it really poorly was all of the 80s music um, I get it, Mario. It's from the '80s. You want to appeal to, you know, the the adult audience. I don't need random '80s songs every five to ten minutes that have nothing to do with anything. Um, for the sake of having them, and for the sake of being able to sell a soundtrack as opposed to just the score. Um, like I said, uh, Brian Tyler did such a fantastic job. I wish that in random scenes where you know we have like. 90 seconds to two minutes which doesn't seem like a lot out of context but when you're watching a movie that is a that's a very long time um 
of them riding around Donkey Kong Country um, to the theme of Take On Me. Uh, why? I don't, that, that didn't help anything. It didn't further the story. Um, and you're already having a really short runtime. We could have used that to, I don't know, go in the background on Toad or maybe um, give a little more context to Donkey Kong or I don't know. We could have done a lot of different things. We could have had King Boo. That was one of the characters that we didn't get incorporated. We didn't have any of the Boos. I I always loved them. I th the, the ghosts, you know, who act like weeping angels. I always thought those were cool. We didn't get any of them. I'm a little upset by that. Um, but we could have had something like that. Uh, we could have had a little more of nostalgia that at least me and I'm sure m the vast majority of people would agree with um, more nostalgia that we actually wanted as opposed to these random songs that are always used all the time whether it's supposed to be an 80s reference or not um, we could have had stuff that we, we actually wanted we actually kind of cared about um, so that I think went a little too far um, and was completely unnecessary in my opinion uh, one of the things that I kind of want to talk about here, though, just in general, um, and I find it ironic with this movie, and it's a trend that I've noticed a lot, is just the relationship between animation and nostalgia. Um, animation is such a great a great medium of filmmaking. Uh, I love that Guillermo del Toro, you know, in all of the acceptance speeches this last awards season for Pinocchio was, uh, you know, stop motion is filmmaking. Animation is filmmaking. It's not... You don't have movies and you don't have animated movies. You just you just have movies. That they're all the same. And animation is a really great medium. It's a great platform for storytelling and for doing different things. Um, and like I said last segment, you know, Mario. This movie would not be the same if it was in live action, and we know that for a fact because the 1993 movie exists. But anima animation is a, such a great platform, and it's interesting that we attribute animation with kids' films. Uh, and I think that's largely just because you know animated films. RA geared mostly towards children. Um, and I think it's because of our biases, but there's so much nostalgia for animated films. And some of these are really great, but a lot of my favorite films are are animated. Uh, I would say somewhere in my top five would be How to Train Your Dragon. I love that movie. I could watch that movie every day for, for the rest of my life and never grow tired of it. I watch it like once a month. I listen to the score like once a week. It is so great and I love it so much. And that is also a very simple film. It's a simple animated film following the hero's journey. It's a tale of two friends. Yeah, it's it's not any it's not Shawshank. It's not two thousand one A Space Odyssey. It's not like this massive uh, film. Uh, but I love it so so dearly, and it, it is an objectively great film. Um, a lot of people would have it up there um, on their list as well. But there's so much nostalgia for that. Um, Disney princesses, you know, I was never into it, but I grew up with a younger sister, and so we'd watch lots of Disney princess stuff. Um, as a kid, Shrek, I it's a running joke in my family that when I was a kid, if we didn't watch Shrek five times in a day, then something was terribly wrong um, because I absolutely loved that movie. And animation has so much nostalgia attached to it. And, you know, with that, we're seeing more Disney princesses. We're seeing them, you know, being constantly revitalized still. Um, we're seeing, you know, uh, How to Train Your Dragon got three films and so many spinoffs that I can't even keep track. And now it's getting a live action film. Um, have so many thoughts on that, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, Shrek, same situation. You have um, so many different films. So there's like four or five, I think. Um, they have spinoffs. They have Puss in Boots, which is a spinoff of Shrek. And then Puss in Boots is also evolving. That's another film, you know. Um, Last Wish, 
absolutely dominated the box office when it was out and had so many great reviews um, because animation is constantly evolving and we're seeing like with Into the Spider-Verse, that's another one that I would say is maybe in my top 10. Um, it's definitely up there on my list. That's an amazing film that isn't necessarily for children. Um, it's a pretty typical superhero film. It's the most perfect comic book film um, I think that's out there right now. Um, and that animation style was so unique and it's now being adapted more and more. And so that's going to become the norm and people are always going to compare it to Into the Spider-Verse. And I just think it's watching Puss in Boots Last Wish, the point I'm getting to there, um, that's what it reminded me of was Into the Spider-Verse. And I think that's one of the things that people liked about that movie so much was not necessarily just the story or just what was going on, but it was, you know, seeing Into the Spider-Verse for the first time and remembering that and also Shrek and seeing that and remembering those things. Um, I think a lot of what made that film work was nostalgia as well, just in a very different way, in a, in a way that I think was in a lot back of a lot of people's minds as opposed to the nostalgia here in Super Mario is in the front of people's minds. Um, nostalgia is constantly at work in the film industry right now, and I think it's interesting. I think it's, um, I think it's something that we can... Uh, have fun with and really appreciate like I said at the top you know sometimes you just want to go to the movie to escape and just have some fun and nostalgia is great for that but I also think we need to be um, a little careful with um, how much of that we, we we produce and how much we make and how much we consume um, I say consume because the more of it we consume the more that uh, these big productions and studios are going to make um, the, the big example here the obvious example here are, are the Disney remakes going on um, I haven't seen many of them. Uh, I think I've only seen Aladdin actually, now that I think about it. Um, but we're getting all these live action remakes of amazing animated films and none of them get good reviews. I think it's kind of funny. I don't know how, I don't know why they keep making them because it seems like the vast, the loudest majority at least, um, is not a big fan. Uh, seeing the trailers for Little Mermaid, I, I'm not excited at all. I just... Uh, doing underwater in general is really, really difficult. I The one thing that I will give Avatar to, the way of water, is the way they handled underwater scenes because James Cameron completely reinvented the way that we that we shoot stuff underwater and the way that we capture CG underwater. Um, that's a brand new technology. Um, they did not use that on The Little Mermaid as far as I am aware. Um, and so because of that, I just I feel like it's going to look... It never looks quite right just because it's really difficult to do um and so it's one of those things where like i why can't we leave it animated i feel like an animated uh underwater world makes more sense you can do more with it it's a little easier to work with um let's keep it animated let's not make it live action um even things like the live action lion king uh makes absolutely no sense to me because it's live action lion king is still animated at the end of the day sure it's using technology that's designed to replicate and emulate you know real light and you know an actual like things are coming out of the camera a lot of um the plates is what it's called uh the backgrounds and things were actually shot on camera and the characters were only were cg but i don't see i don't see the purpose of it other than to make a bunch of money um selling us the exact same thing that we've seen so many times the thing that we already love they're just selling it back to us um in a worse package um and so i don't know it, it's an interesting it's an interesting balance right uh nostalgia can be amazing and it can be great but 
it also has been the the source of so much mediocrity and a lot of just whatever um you could argue that that super mario fits in that that spot like i said it's it's not great but it's perfect so how do you do that it's a very mediocre film um but at the same time the nostalgia works so well that i would consider it to be perfect i can't see this movie playing out any other way than what we got um and i think that's what makes that's why i'm i chose this subject you know for super mario is it's in this weird middle ground it kind of has um elements of both sides of it um and i think that makes this movie really really interesting and so i want to know what your thoughts are which side of that spectrum would you put super mario on um do you think it is on the this is great the nostalgia really really worked here and it's it's good or is it more of the yeah this is really mediocre they were just trying to sell us on the mario brand even more um i'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that i'm still kind of trying to decide on mine for sure but i think i think i am more on the you know the pro nostalgia side uh in this particular instance while yes as a whole it was extremely mediocre um i'm okay with the nostalgia the nostalgia worked for me really really well and so maybe in five years time or something i'll go back and i'll watch it again um and i'll be like wow this i'm i'm tired of this uh the nostalgia is completely worn off because i've seen it i know it's coming um and i'll be sick and tired of it but as of right now um I'm all for it. I absolutely loved the nostalgia um, and the elements of it. But I've been talking about animation this whole time, and I'm wondering if live action can do the same thing. I'm wondering if live action can sell the same way that um, animation does, and if it can bring out the same nostalgia. Uh, I think on the surface, the obvious answer is yes. Um, we're already seeing, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but Top Gun Maverick, that is a movie that I think I don't want to say all of its success, but a lot of its success, a lot of its initial success was built on nostalgia um, and people going back to see it. I've told the story before, but I convinced my parents who one doesn't like the movies and one doesn't like going to the movies. Um, I convinced both of them to drive two hours with me to go see an IMAX um, because they were both super excited for the next Top Gun movie because they love Top Gun. Um, and so like it's bringing people to the theater. Um, we'll get uh, Cobra Kai. That's a legacy sequel. That's gone on for five seasons now um and it's entirely built on nostalgia it was supposed to be one thing and they quickly realized people don't care about these the new generation they still care about the old generation let's keep telling that story um and so i think it's interesting how we're kind of seeing live action doing the same thing the one difference though um with that is they aren't exact replicas or near replicas of what we already saw um and that's what i think is interesting and that's what I'm curious about is can live action um, remake itself and resell itself um, without being an original story at all? You know, Top Gun Maverick, sure, at the end of the day, it is very similar, but there was a, a new story there and it was there was new technology and it made sense to make a new one. And we are getting films like that. I can't think of it at the top of my head, but if you can, let me know um, down in the comments below. But one of the things with the new harry potter uh, series announcement uh that's one of the things that got me thinking about all of this is i think that's one of the first times that a big franchise is going to try to resell us the exact same thing i personally am extremely upset by the news i hope that somehow it all falls apart i love harry potter with every cool every bit of my being harry potter is amazing and i love it um and in my opinion those films are pretty perfect are there things that um weren't done 
amazingly. Sure, are there things I wish that were added? Absolutely, but I think it's too soon and it's unnecessary to completely remake everything that we saw um, not even 20 years ago. You know, people are saying it's been 20 years since the first one. Um, it's been about 10 years since uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out. It just hasn't been enough time. Um, and that's an element as well as, you know, we're looking at, you know, a lot of Disney remakes. These aren't newer films that are being released. These are films that were made in the 80s and the 90s. So is there a certain period of time where uh, that you need before you can remake these things and have a, a good nostalgia effect? Um, but the other thing with the Harry Potter series that's interesting is we're not going to really get a nostalgia effect because we're not like going back to it. Fantastic Beasts, for example, that is a, a property and that was a, an idea that could have and did utilize nostalgia quite a bit. The only things I remember about that, that first movie that I saw um, was that it was very nostalgic and it was bringing me back into this world and it was a new story. And after that, it all went really downhill, but I can only assume that the best parts of those movies were the parts that were just fun and in that world and brought you back to living in that, in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Um, but when you're, doing a direct adapt a direct remake of a live action film uh, a film series in this case and you're doing it in a TV format it's going to be different but I don't know if they can I don't know how much of that nostalgia factor um, that we're saying is that we're saying is what's really driving these these things and making them successful making us love them so much I don't know if they can capitalize on that as much and so I'm curious to see how they how they handle that um, what they do differently and everything like that um and I'm curious to see if anyone else follows their footsteps. Maybe, maybe a lot of people are, are going to be are going to be watching this whole thing go down uh, and see how successful the Harry Potter HBO Max series is going to be. Um, and maybe, maybe we could potentially get a lot more uh, things like that. I keep saying, you know, we aren't getting a remake of Lord of the Rings, and people respond with, "Well, yeah, that those are perfect movies." And I say, "Yeah, well, so is Harry Potter, in my opinion. It's it's pretty dang close." Uh, now we're getting a little, uh, we're getting a little ranty. Uh, so let's wrap it up here. I absolutely loved the Super Mario Bros. movie. I thought it was not great, but extremely, extremely perfect. Um, I can't recommend this movie enough to anyone who um, just has played Mario at any point in their life. Um, it's a fantastic film, um, and I absolutely loved it. You've been listening to the Popcorn Hangover. My name is Alex. We've been discussing the Super Mario Bros. movie. What were your thoughts on the Super Mario Bros.? Let me know down in the comments and on all the things. Instagram, YouTube, Patreon.com slash the Popcorn Hangover. Next week, we are going to start away from movies, and we're going to talk about a show um, that represents... I've been seeing a meme from Back to the Future uh, come and going around, so we're going to be talking about that. And yeah... That's all I got for you. Peace.